Hi, I'm Debbie George Addis. Thanks so very much for tuning in to America Can We Talk. Today we're going to talk about three stories. One, a federal judge rules that Trump cannot exercise presidential authority, pretty much. Number two, Lieutenant Colonel West joins me in studio to talk about the EU parliament elections. Is this an echo of President Trump? And third, removing statues. Is Martin Luther King next? And we'll talk about why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. Hello again. Thanks again so much for tuning in to America Can We Talk. There was a federal judge who issued a ruling related to President Trump's order to begin construction of the border wall. And while I do want to briefly indulge in what the judge said in this particular case, I want to broadly speak about the ongoing relentless attack to undermine President Trump and his ability really to function as President of the United States. This judge, and this is uh, Judge Haywood Gilliam Jr., appointed by President Barack Obama in December 2014, ruled essentially in a case that was filed by the Sierra Club that President Trump cannot use the discretionary funding that has been transferred by the military from other projects to the border wall, that President Trump cannot use that money to begin construction or continue construction of the border wall. I want to mention first what this hearing was. It was for a preliminary injunction, and that's a unique, specific thing in law. A preliminary injunction means the judge had to have found that the plaintiff, this being the Sierra Club, had to prove it was likely to succeed on the merit, so it's probably going to win, is likely to suffer irreparable harm if the preliminary injunction is not issued. So. Irreparable harm to the Sierra Club and its interests, not to America for having an insecure border, to make that clear, and that the balance of equities tips in the plaintiff's favor, favor and that the injunction is in the public interest. So this judge found all those bases in favor of the Sierra Club and said essentially that President Trump cannot use that money to go forward with the border wall. Well, the case will end up in the Supreme Court, of course, and I'm going to guess that the Supreme Court is going to find that President Trump had the right to issue this order. But the reason I raise this case today is this. There is ongoing in this country within the judiciary, the federal courts, the district and appellate courts, and in the media, an underlying relentless argument that President Trump really doesn't have the right to be president. He doesn't have the right to conduct the presidency. He doesn't have the right to do things that are clearly within the scope of his responsibility as commander-in-chief, as president of the United States. With respect to the border wall funding in particular, this was a rule. This is a ruling under a law, a federal law that President Trump relied on that essentially said that the president has a right to issue an emergency order. Say it's an emergency at the border. We have to get these the border where there's no other security. We have to have the border wall built. President Trump declared that emergency. Anyone who's been watching the news and seeing that the southern border is overwhelmed with people pouring over the border can see we do have an emergency at the southern border. So President Trump relied on a federal law that said he has the right to do things like this, to issue an emergency order in, in instances like this, and uh, use money already allotted by the, uh, by the Congress to the uh, military that, again, decided that he could use that money. They moved money from other projects to the border wall. 
An interesting statement uh, came out I wanted to share with you from Attorney General Barr. Attorney General Barr said that he is troubled by the use of the, uh, troubled by a single judge vetoing an entire decision by the president. And in particular, this is a federal judge not just saying that the border wall can't happen in a certain place, but stopping, issuing an injunction for the entire use of the border wall funding by the administration until the case makes it all the way to the Supreme Court. By way of contrast, in terms of how often these kinds of injunctions are issued, it's really rather amazing. Under, in, uh, under the, the Justice Department, according to the Justice Department, an average of 1.5 such national or universal injunctions were issued every year under the administrations of President Reagan, Clinton, and Bush. Under President Obama, the average rose to 2.5. That's the number of times a federal court issued an order with a broad national stop everything while we review this policy. How many times the courts have done that to President Trump? 18 times a year, 37 such injunctions. This is basically the federal court echoing the mindset of the American left saying, we're just not going to let President Trump be president. And another quick story I want to hit in the first five relates to President Trump's uh, recent trip to uh, Japan. You know, he was, he's back, or he's flying back, or he is back now, but he was visiting Japan. And essentially, he's uh, working with uh, Japan on a variety of issues, trade, concerns about China, about North Korea. But there was a... Um, there was a reporter talking about just the, the, the courts won't let President Trump be president. Well, neither will the media. There was a reporter who actually tweeted out that President Trump, during his time in Japan, had said that the North Korean dictator, Kim Jong-un, would be a pre better president than Joe Biden would. He didn't say anything like that. But this reporter tweeted it out, got I don't, I don't remember the number, but you know, thousands of times retweeted, commented on. The, even the, in the media, the, the reporter for Time, I think it was for Time Magazine, finally had to say, by the way, he didn't say that, I just made that up. He, well, he didn't acknowledge he made it up. He took the tweet down and said, yeah, that didn't really happen. And you know, I just, I, I get, I guess in closing the first five today, I want to say, it's very troubling in our country. We, we have an underlying sense that the ruling elite, the smart people, the people in charge, the media, the courts, the American left in Washington simply can continue to treat President Trump as though he doesn't really have the right to be treated as president. This is unacceptable. There should be more protest, more outrage, more calling out of the left's unwillingness to acknowledge that President Trump is president because the majority of the American voters wanted him to be president because the system we have that elects a president chose him. And now, friends, that's the end of my first five for today. I want to turn, I mentioned at the start, we have Lieutenant Colonel Alan West in studio today. So, hello, sir. Welcome to the... good to be with you. And uh, if I can comment on your first five, there is a difference between the three branches of government, which really is how this constitutional republic is supposed to operate under our rule of law. For the progressive socialist left, they have three branches of rule. <laughs> and that is the academia, that is the media, and that is the courts. And so what you just brought out, I mean, 37 times you have had activist judges, activist courts step in and do everything they can to obstruct the executive branch and what they're seeking to do. These are co-equal branches of government, but yet the left has done a brilliant strategic job of getting all of their judges in there and into these uh, circuit courts or federal uh, courts so that they can truly control 
the agenda and rule by by you know this by edict if if you want to call it that way so the fact that here you have someone that is ruling on behalf of the sierra club and not ruling on the behalf of the american people because they're supposed to interpret the law based upon our constitution not because of some special interest group well amen to that i should have said that my first five that was great I, well that's why you brought me on <laughs> you know, you're, right. so, you're so brilliant i mean there are going to be no, a no, few things best. you forget and so you have this dumb little university of tennessee guy here to yeah. kind of pull you along for the few of our listeners who do not recognize lieutenant colonel alan west he's a former u.s congressman a brave military patriot and veteran a strong supporter of veterans a nationally renowned speaker on many national security national defense subjects love having you in always I, a pleasure I always have a longer list of topics than we have time for, so I'm gonna jump in. But I, yeah. I love what you just said, that's exactly right. And actually, the other problem with the left having the courts undermining President Trump is because if you're not really tuned into politics much and you see and read that repeatedly, mm -hmm. President Trump's orders are struck down by judges, are in fact labeled in some cases as xenophobic, uh, full of discrimination, hateful. You do, you start to wonder, well, you know, maybe the political types argue, but this is a court. This is a judge. Mm -hmm. If he says it, it must be true. It really hurts America. It really does because that's the perception they want out there. That's the optic. And it's that constant, uh, continuous pounding, you know, between the media, between the courts. And therefore, if you're tuning in to some of those other news stations, the MSNBC, CNNs, whatever, you're getting those half-truths. You're getting that bombardment of propaganda, not news. And you fail to understand like I said, there are three branches of government that are co-equal branches, not these three branches of rule, which the left loves. They most certainly do. And, and you know, the, I am very troubled by uh, moving forward. We had to wait with all the rulings and executive orders by President Trump uh, related to the refugee policies and mm -hmm. visa mm -hmm. and closer scrutiny. You had to wait till it got to the Supreme Court. And this yeah. is another success on the left because they oh, delay yeah. everything he's trying Absolutely. to do. Absolutely. And you think about it, how many of these judges came out and said anything when Barack Obama took an unconstitutional act with the uh, deferred, uh, the DACA, Deferred mm -hmm. Action for yes. Childhood Arrivals, which he admitted he did not have the power to do, yeah, but yet sure he did. did. I mean, isn't that amazing? Yes. The president said, I don't have the power to do this, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. And you had nothing from the courts that are out there, just complete silence. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. This judge, by the way, the one I uh, just mentioned who struck down the um, border funding, he there's a list that's boring to go through, but how many dollars he donated to the Obama campaign, oh, to the Obama, to some of the PACs that supported President Obama. This is a left-wing judge, and mm -hmm. people do not lose their thinking or their mindset when they become judges. They are supposed to be neutral, and you promise when you take your oath of office yeah. to become a judge to apply the law, but when you've had so many judges on the left strike down so much that President Trump does, uh, there, there's something wrong. It's and, just not. And that's a great comparative analysis you did, you know, one and a half times for Clinton and uh, Bush the latter, and then two and a half times, you know, per year for Obama, and 37 times, yeah. 18 per year. That tells you something. Yep, sure does. But you know what I want to talk about in addition okay. to that? Uh, so we had these European Union elections. Yes. I think May 26th, which was Sunday, was the last day, but it was mm -hmm. over several days, several mm -hmm. countries. And there was a lot of talk ahead of time about some of the, uh, for example, in the UK, the Brexit party growing mm -hmm. in strength, mm -hmm. and in other European countries. So these countries are electing people to serve in the EU's parliament, that there was a growing um, strength among parties in these various respective European countries who were more of the nationalist mindset, who want, they kind of want their country back. They, they want, want their sovereignty back. 
That's what I was going to ask you. My overarching question to start with was, what do you think it says when you have these nationalist-type parties really pretty much winning the elections throughout the European Union? What it says is that they don't want this collective political body, politic, that is trying to tell them how to run their countries. Uh, the European Union came together to try to more so help with economic and trade issues. Now all of a sudden it has become a lawmaking type of body and it is telling these respective member states you know how to run their business case in point with immigration so now if someone as in the case of germany they have this immigration policy that allows for these quote-unquote migrants to come into the country and we know many of them were islamic jihadists now they have free access anywhere within this quote-unquote european union and now you have folks that are in that european union that are saying to britain well you can't to the uk you can't do this or you can't do that with trade i hate to tell you there was a uk long before before there was an EU and they used to do trade and, and things of that nature. And I think that a lot of folks over there are looking and saying, just the same as they did in Brazil, you know, this Donald Trump guy, maybe he's a New Yorker, maybe he has that flamboyant, boisterous personality, but he's getting things done for the American people. Well, we want some folks that are going to get things done for us as well. So I think you're going to see an incredible tidal wave, just the same as the Brexit came before Donald Trump was elected. Now you see this action coming. And I think for the progressive socialist left, it does not bode well for them because we don't like these collective bodies of government, such as the United Nations. Absolutely true. And, you know, related to that, within the European Union, I love the idea of sovereignty. And mm -hmm. that, that's a beautiful concept for individual countries to claim for themselves. We are the country. We choose our government. We make our laws. Our laws govern us. And so it is within America, part of the reason there's so much pushing back against the globalist mindset, Absolutely. the UN mindset, that America has an identity that is important, that's unique, that has is rooted in rights. And I, I do think that the efforts to be claim nationalism get mocked a lot by the left saying, oh, you're just, this is either racist, xenophobic, homophobic, something bad. Well, they have to call your name. They have to try to get you to self-censor. They have to denigrate this and demean you in the open uh, public sphere of ideas because they know that they're wrong. And so what they are trusting on is, is for you to say, I really don't want to be called a name, so I'll shut up. But that's why we have to continue to press this thing, because if not, you know, you have the United Nations that is trying to get into the business of more countries. And you have this, uh, this whole climate change movement, which is nothing more than a global wealth redistribution scheme. And that's what President Obama signed us up for with the uh, Paris uh, Climate Accords which was a unilateral action that is non-binding. And so we have got to make sure that we have people that understand American sovereignty. And it comes back, like you said, we've got borders. That's part of your sovereignty. And for this judge to rule against the president of the United States yeah. and the oath that he took to the Constitution, where you have many different articles, Article 4, Section 4, that talks about protecting our borders and the sovereignty, he's wrong. And so I think there's going to come a time when the, you know, President Trump needs to give a speech on the Constitution. And he really needs to get the attention of the American people and bring out what you just said. You know, these people are obstructing the executive branch because they lost. That's a good summary. They're obstructing the executive branch because they lost. Back to the EU, though. This is a really interesting thing because part of the reason that the individual member countries formed and joined the EU is for economic strength. Absolutely. They thought they could 
better trade deals, yes. better. But they soon realized that the trade deals that the collective wanted, the EU, mm-hmm. didn't really necessarily bode well for them individually. And I, I read about something, I, maybe you mentioned this in my show years ago, but there was an example where the uh, United Kingdom's uh, production of butter, they had companies that were you know, manufacturing butter, marketing, mm-hmm. wanting to sell it. But the butter somehow didn't meet a standard that the EU had in place. Mm-hmm. It was something about the sweetener. I don't remember what it was, but the point of it was they were blocked for years from selling butter produced in the UK into Europe because of some obs- seemingly obscure EU yeah. standard. That's the kind of thing that makes the individual citizen say, "Are you? why do we join them if they're stopping Absolutely. me? If they're working against our best interests, if they're not helping us as far as being able to to conduct commerce and trade with other countries and strengthen our position. Instead, they're trying to, once again, by coercion, by mandate, by threat, violence, intimidation, they're forcing their agenda on these member states, these member nations. And that's why I think you saw this incredible flipping of those seats in the EU parliament. Yeah, and especially the UK has been interesting because they have many parties, a lot of mm-hmm. these countries do, but many parties. And the Brexit Party, which is the was the acronym for the British exit from uh-huh. the EU, which I know you know, but the Brexit Party formally announced itself, whatever it was, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, that mm-hmm. we're going to be a party. Mm-hmm. And they won, in some portions of the, of the UK, they won the majority of seats that were available to them at the EU as compared with other parties. Absolutely. So that mindset is there. I just, I have to tell you, I love that mindset of the, you know, we don't take the ruling elite. We just don't salute. We, the people, are going to speak Well, up. it's not about the buy or leave. It's not about what John Locke, you know, was against, divine rights theory, where mm-hmm. this certain group of intellectual elites or entertainment, cultural, academic elites believe that, you know, you're supposed to be collectively subjugated to them. This is about individual sovereignty. This is about the natural rights that you have. And I think that you're going to see an incredible revolution against this oppressive nature of the progressive socialist left. Uh, Eventually, you know, the tide's going to turn in, in a place like Venezuela. And we are now seeing that it has turned with the European Union. And the British people voted. To exit. <laughs> and and that's why Theresa May is having to step down, because she didn't deliver on the referendum of the people. They just can't believe that people are smart enough to figure things out. I mean, it really is a big part of it. I think there's a mindset among the ruling elite types that once we're in and we get the big picture and we understand all these factors that the people mm-hmm. don't, you can vote and thanks very much for your opinion, but they just think they're smarter. And I, yeah. I love that the people, and it's happening here in America, is why Trump won in 2016. Yes. People just say, no, actually, you're not smarter. You might have been elected to Congress. You might have been a, an official in whatever the government for years. Yeah. But we're as smart as you, and we are going to demand that our values. And I just love that spirit. Well, it has to come back because that's how this country got started in the first place. When, you know, 13 little colonies rebelled against the greatest power that the world knew at that time, the elite power of, of England. And we did it by just standing on principle. And I think that that's what we have to get back to. Love that. So actually, we've touched on it several uh, different ways, but I was going to ask you, about your thought about how much Trump's presence, rise to power in America has inspired the Western European countries in this election. In particular, President Trump was, I don't remember when it was, but he was over in England and he 
essentially was advocating for Brexit. The, the vote yeah, had occurred, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and he was saying, come on, this is great. And he was supporting Brexit, and there were people in America saying that was kind of unseemly, that he should stay out of it, it's not his business. Well, yeah, but then that's the hypocrisy, because Barack Obama, you know, was interjecting himself in the yeah. same thing and saying, maybe we won't have, we'll, we'll tell Brit- England to get to the back of the bus when it comes to trade. He sure did. Absolutely. I forgot about that. See, that's why you got me yeah. here, Debbie. I mean, I, <laughs> that's right. But 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 that's the whole point. The hypocrisy of the left is completely being exposed. Yeah, you know, on the subject of President Trump being over there, that um, and he, you know, he, I don't remember the exact context, but he was making the point that the people have voted and they they really want their sovereignty, they mm-hmm. want their country back, and. Even though in America, a lot of the academics and kind of leaders were saying, well, it's really unseemly. It's not his business. He shouldn't be saying that. He was really advocating for, it's, it's a wider universal idea that mm-hmm. he gave voice to in America, that they were giving voice to in UK, mm-hmm. which you saw in this Brexit, in this vote at the, for the EU this past week. And I, I think it's a, it's a really healthy uh, international movement. And in a way, it's pressing back against the globalist mindset the yes. UN's been trying to say, this is the new norm. We're all just one big country and we're all no, going no, to- borderless, uh, A borderless world. Yeah. And, and that just does not work. Because we all have our constitutions, we all have our respective rules of law, we all have our cultures and traditions, and we have to be able to maintain and sustain those things. And not, like I say, the collective subjugation, it has to end. Uh, Brazil, even, they realized it, and they have their own Donald Trump of South America. Yep, love it, love yep. it. And actually, the gentleman who is trying to get power in Argentina, Gato, however you say his name, he is also, uh, he, he's in a battle right now, but I mean, he's trying to say, no, actually, we're not going to do, here, we're going to have that same kind of concept. We're going to mm-hmm. overthrow these socialist ruling elites. We're going to have our freedom, our country back. You know, I, I wrote a piece uh, last week for CNS News, and I, it was titled, Socialism, Socialism is the Philosophy of the Control Freaks. That's a great title. That is a great title. Go well, ahead, sorry. That, that's what they are. I mean, they yeah. really don't believe that you have the, the competence to be able to deal with your own life and make decisions for yourselves. And so that's why they want to control who gets wealth. I mean, Bill de Blasio coming out and saying there's a lot of money in the world, there's a lot of money in America, it's just in the wrong hands. They want to control your health care. They want to control what you eat. They want to control what you drive. And that's who they are. And they come out with the mantra of, well, we'll give it to you for, for free, but it's all about how they can control you because once you accept their idea of you know free, then they, you're dependent upon them. Yep. So that's what we have to try to explain is that these people are all about controlling every aspect of your life. And if they can't have it, they will go apoplectic and they will do everything they can, like this judge who cares more about the Sierra Club than the safety and security of the American people. Well said. I want to hit one more topic today while yeah. I have you in the studio. So glad to, ha- glad to have you here. It was, uh, two more topics. One was is Memorial Day yesterday. Yeah. You wrote a beautiful piece about your dad. Yeah, a special man. The Amer- and your website is theoldschoolpatriot.com. Mm-hmm. Great website to go to. Urge people to go read that. Read There's always great articles. Love reading about your dad. And I know your family has a history of service for our country. I mean, many in your family have served America and military. So thank you for all that. A pleasure. Love that. Okay. Well, on Memorial Day, you know, all, people try to uh, wax eloquent about, you know, their um, honoring our soldiers, and they do, um, and, and we all do. We, we do various things to go honor them. I saw this uh, meme 
that was kind of surfacing, being spread around on Memorial Day, that was saying that uh, on Memorial Day you shouldn't honor people like Robert E. Lee or the Confederate soldiers because they were wrong and they were bad. And you know, I I, I kind of weighed in and said, you know what? At, at the at that time, they did the, they were doing what they thought was right, and they weren't. Mm-hmm. And so, just you know, these people they did they fought they died for what we now all call America. And I but I. I don't know. I just um, whether you have conflicts you thought we were wrong and like people, many people thought we shouldn't be in Vietnam or we should have come home sooner, whatever they thought about it. Honoring anyone who fought and gave their lives, it just seems the most basic sense of gratitude we should have. I don't know if you want to comment on that. Well, that's how Memorial Day came to be was the uh, blacks, uh, freed blacks down uh, 1865 in Charleston. They uh, held a ceremony for Union prisoners that had been captured down there who had died during the captivity. So it is about honoring the people that have gone on before us, no matter you know what their principles and values really were. I mean, when you think about the, the guys that fought for the South, it wasn't so much about slavery for a lot of them. It was that they felt that their rights were being infringed upon by you know the government in Washington, D.C. But the, the key thing is that when all was said and done, we still had an America. We came together. Now, you know, let's, let's always remember it was the Democrat Party that started the Ku Klux Klan because they weren't happy about it. That's just the nature of who that party is. Yep. But we had an America that came together and said, okay, how can we focus and how can we self-correct? That's the great thing about this country. It understood that it had a problem. It could not live up to the words of the Declaration of Independence as long as it had this thing called slavery. And Abraham Lincoln set forth so that we can truly be the ideal that we're supposed to be. And some 600,000 lost their lives to fight for that ideal. And so I think it is important that, that we honor those, those dead. And, and remember that Arlington National Cemetery was Robert E. Lee's property. And, yeah, yeah. It was. and so it was taken away from him to make that national cemetery that we have today. So maybe people should study our history a little bit more. Well, speaking of studying history, I want to turn to something that uh, presidential candidate Pete Buttigieg is saying. I will get to him in a moment, but on the subject of America self-correcting, I love that point, and I make that in different contexts all the time. We had slavery when America was founded. A lot of the founders knew it wasn't right, but they couldn't get the country created without. They went forward. We also didn't have the right for women to vote. Yes. And that was another self-correcting, and we continue to self-correct yeah. in this it's country. It's a more perfect union. Yes. That's what it says in our Constitution. We're working toward a more perfect union. Yeah. And so I, I love that concept of the ideas in our founding documents are what guide us in that self-correction. Yeah. The Declaration, which I love, and the Constitution guiding us. And so we're not saying we're perfect, um, but we, are, we have the best principles imaginable in which to found a nation. So we, we self-correct. Okay, now I want to hit Pete Buttigieg. So he's, <laughs> I have not piled on him yet in the show at all, but he is running, as you know, well know, for the presidency and mm-hmm. as a dem- one of the 23, I think it is, Democrats. 23, 24 now, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, running for president. And he had an interview on Dennis Prager show, I think it was, or Hugh Hewitt, one of them. He had an interview anyway. Mm-hmm. And he was asked about, I guess there was a, like Republicans tend to have a Reagan and Lincoln Day dinner. That's what we have annual things. And Democrats have dinners and they had. Jackson, Jefferson. Yeah. Yeah. And so there was some local Democrat group that had said basically they didn't want to keep Jefferson's name in their dinner anymore mm-hmm. because as, it, as history has uncovered, uh, he actually, uh, he uh, owned slaves and apparently had children with. Uh, had, with Sally Hemings. Yeah, that's yeah, right. And so they're basically saying, and so he, 
Buttigieg was he was a little bit more cautious. Some of the people on the right pounded kind of pounced on him too hard and they made it sound like he had said let's tear down the Jefferson Memorial. He didn't say that. Yeah. But he did agree that Jefferson's name we should question whether his name should be he agreed remove it from the name of the dinner and he was saying we should that's, question again, other context. That's silly. So yeah, I want to ask what you think about all that. Well I think it's silly. I mean, if we are looking back at that time period and thinking that they should have the same 21st century values, you know, back then in the 17th, 18th century, I I'm sorry. That's not going to happen. Yeah. I would say that the man that sat down and wrote that incredible document called the Declaration yeah. of Independence, a man that was a, a two-term president of the United States of America that founded the University of Virginia, one of the most highly intellectual uh, presidents that we have ever had. And eloquent. Eloquent. And, uh. Why would you want to remove his name? You know, so stop going back and looking at people from a perspective here in the 21st century and, and casting your, your values on them then. Okay, no, slavery was not a good thing, but it was an accepted thing at that point in time. Now, all over the world, by the way, all not just over here. The world. Yeah. And so, you know, they also need to understand that when you read John Locke's Second Treatise of Government, it was life, liberty, and property. Yeah. And the reason why it was changed to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness was because Franklin told Jefferson, you no, do not want people to believe that they have an inalienable right to own another person. And that's why it's not life, liberty, and property. So that's how brilliant these men were at that time. They understood this issue. Could they fix it right then when they're just 13 little colonies trying to be 13 states to take on the greatest power the world knew at that time? No, they did not want to have a circular firing squad. But they understood when they wrote the, the uh, Constitution, they're working toward a more, per more perfect union. I love that point. I did not know that was an interaction between Franklin, Franklin and Jefferson. Absolutely, about the because Franklin, term. Franklin was the guy that was tasked to uh, supervise Jefferson young writing. Jef young Jefferson, uh, young was. Jefferson writing <laughs> the Declaration. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is an interesting thing because the battle is ongoing in America about taking down statues. Anyone mm. who did something in the past that wasn't right. In fact, I was remembering, I don't know if you remember this, but in Dallas, where we happen to be, we're in Dallas, but mm. there was a discussion about removing a Robert E. Lee statue. It had been there for a long time. And it's and gone. It's gone. Do you remember the day before, you and I were at a meeting with yep. about 12 or 15 people. Yep kind of discuss what do we do about this or trying to take down this Robert Lee statue. And after the meeting, we walked down, you and I did, took pictures of ourselves in front mm -hmm. of the statue. I still have it. I do too. And it was the very next day the statue was taken down. Yep. The very next day. And, and that's, that revisionist history is very disconcerting for me because history is not there for you to like or dislike, to remove or keep. History is there for you to learn from. And so what when I look at all of these statues being torn down or what have you, What's the difference between that and what the Taliban did in Bamiyan yes. province with the Buddhist uh, uh, temples, I mean the Buddhist statues? What's the difference between that and what ISIS did all across northern Iraq and into Syria, you know, destroying ancient artifacts and things of this nature? So again, this tyrannical viewpoint in that, you know, I will only accept the history that I want to accept. Just the same as we, to the left, we don't have freedom of speech anymore. We have freedom of their definition of accepted speech. We yeah. don't have freedom of religion, we have freedom of worship, and they're telling us where you can have that worship. Right. You don't have the, the freedom to assemble. You don't, you know, how many conservative speakers did we have this past commencement season uh, on college campuses and universities? Very few. It's yeah. appalling. Yep. It's appalling.
on this subject of who it is that tries to push things down, on our website, AmericaCanWeTalk.org, just tell them, on AmericaCanWeTalk.org, you need to go on the homepage to under shows, go down to list of links. And one of the articles was really great, a thoughtful article called Why Socialists Want to Destroy Our Memory of the Past. And it was a great concept Mm -hmm. the guy was talking about, saying essentially, when you want people to agree the government is the power, we tell you what rights you have, what you don't have, then they need to remove the symbols in your society that might remind you of your history, of your heritage, of Mm -hmm. who in your past stood up for your country, defined your country. They want to say, no, socialists want to say, and control freaks want to say, Mm -hmm. we tell you. It was really, it was an eloquently argued point. Well, very simple. If, If you rid the past, then you can shape the present and you can define the future. And that's exactly what has happened. When when no one can go back and understand why we have Memorial Day, or no one is being taken out to the Civil War battlefields or the Revolutionary War battlefields, when people don't understand why Francis Scott Key wrote the Star Spangled Banner mm-hmm. as the British were bombarding Fort yeah. McHenry, then all of a sudden, yeah, America's bad. You know, if you don't teach America until the industrial age, you talk about all of these things that were just horrible for the workers, and and that's why we need to have workers uniting. And then you take it into the future, and you start talking about wealth redistribution and all of these things that are antithetical because people don't understand individual sovereignty. They don't understand liberty. They don't understand freedoms. They don't understand natural rights, not these ideological rights that the left comes up with. And so that's why they have to erase the, the incredible past of the United States of America. 244 years. So what do you say, what is your answer to the activist leftist who says, why would America honor Robert E. Lee? He stood up for slavery. I mean, I, mean, I know you answer it in a way. No, Robert E. Lee did not stand up for slavery. Robert E. Lee was fighting because he believed that his, his country, his state, Virginia, was being invaded. Robert E. Lee was, was right here in Texas. Robert E. Lee was an engineering officer. Robert E. Lee served in the Mexican War. So, I mean, don't, let's, let's, Robert E. Lee was an American war hero, a graduate yep. of West Point. Yeah. But Robert E. Lee decided that he wanted to defend his, his country. He termed that as Virginia. You know, one last thing that I think will make a great point on this topic for people, because I do think this destruction of history, the people who want to take down, and, and now it's gone on to Christopher Columbus, not yeah. just Robert E. Lee, but... The, the thinkers at the higher level understand why they're trying to engender this hatred of America's past, but some of the people arguing for it on the ground, they're just, they, they, they really think they're standing up for something noble. They think they're saying, well, I'm trying to help America be better so we don't honor these bad, bad guys of the past. But now, just this week, this information, I guess, from the FBI has mm-hmm. been released about Martin Luther King, who was a extraordinary towering figure in America his yeah. American history and who apparently was engaged in serial infidelity and accused of being around when when bad things were happening I'll leave it leave it at that he wasn't mm-hmm. so he had a personal history that wasn't perfect but the people I think who would say Robert E. Lee should come down Christopher Columbus I don't know when they get to Martin Luther King I just think there's a there's a profound need to recognize the whole of what someone's contribution is to America, and then to say this wasn't—we're not celebrating this part, but we are celebrating no, what not, he brought. But furthermore, we're not worshiping men or women. 
We, yeah. we, we are, you know, indebted to them for the things that they stood for. And let us always remember that it was Lyndon Baines Johnson, Democrat president, that uh, told Herbert Hoover and the FBI to conduct surveillance against uh, Martin Luther Which King Jr. Which is why Jr. we know all this, yes. That is why we know all this. Uh, and so, you know, kind of funny, we still have the same party conducting surveillance against innocent American people. So, uh, <laughs> Good point. <laughs> no, well, I told you, that's why you have me around. It is. No, but, but that's the key thing. Uh, you know, it was a quote attributed to George Santayana back in like 1928. Those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Yeah. That's why we study history. That's why we go back and we read, not to memorize dates, but to understand the mindset, understand why people did what they did at that point in time so that we can grow from it. But the other side doesn't want to grow from it. They just want ideological domination. I love that, and it ties back to the, the socialist mindset you were talking about at the very mm -hmm. start, your piece you wrote last week that was talking about they just really want control. They want That's control it. over every aspect of life. Alan West, it's always so much fun. The time races wow. by. Thank you for coming my in. My pleasure. Always great to have you. Be here with you. So glad you are. I'm going to turn now, my friends, to our final. I love doing this last part of the show, Why This Matters to You. I sent in slides to the very wonderful Matt, and look how fast he has them up. Obama's judge blocked the border wall. Why this matters? This is the politics of the judge. When we talk about an Obama judge or a Clinton judge, this is just too common in this era of leftist anti-Trump fervor. The kind of ruling seems to be Trump bad, rule against Trump, is increasingly obvious. It's a left-wing judge rationale is transparently lawless. The rule of law matters. If we don't stop this, we will lose the rule of law. On Trump in Japan, you know, this is a ongoing relationship between Trump and the Japanese leader um, Abe, I believe his name is pronounced, uh, forged, he's made a strong friendship, alliance. There was a little thing, by the way, I meant to tell you, I didn't get to hit this in the first five, when he was in Japan. All these great events they did, and they, they bonded, and they had dinners together and events together, but President Trump was invited to a sumo wrestling competition, and he was part of handing the award to whoever won, and the media was covering it like Trump's favorite part of Japan trip, sumo wrestling, mocking his presence, the broad-based policy discussions they had, and instead trying to mock him as though he just was over there to, to hang around the sumo wrestlers. So back to my happy slides, um, the Japan trip was packed with high-level symbolic honors, and this was, again, an extension of this America First, dramatically resetting our alliances. And this is a little fabulous uh, depiction of the big circle, what Trump did in Japan, the little tiny circle they find, the, the media finds, oh, he went to sumo wrestling. Surely this was his favorite part of the trip. It is just the way the media covers Trump on everything. Next slide, please, my friend. Okay, in the EU elections, these matter to you. There's out-of-touch ruling elite class in America, in Europe, and they were rebuked in these elections in the US, EU, especially in the UK, but throughout Europe. The mainstream media wants to morph that patriotism and nationalism into hate and intolerance, but the people are not being manipulated by that. They aren't buying. It's really about Western culture preservation and sovereignty. And by the way, check out the interview on this show if you go back. March 28th, Katie Hopkins and Elizabeth Savage wolf both talking, predicting how these EU elections are going to come out, and they were right. And George Farmer, candidate for the um, EU from from the Brexit Party in England was on the show May 15th. Great interviews, both of them giving more depth about these EU parliamentary elections and Martin Luther King, why it matters. Humanity's heroes are always imperfect. 
men and women. They're just people. They're heroes for the right ideas they stood for, even if they fall short in other ways. His ideal, Martin Luther King's ideal, to be judged by the content of our character, not the color of our skin, is one of the highest and most American right ideas ever voiced in America. And let's all agree that same grace we want to give to Martin Luther King, Robert E. Lee, we need to give it to the founders, to Robert E. Lee, of course, and even to Donald Trump. I'm Debbie Georges. This is America Can We Talk. Thanks so very much for tuning in. Come back every Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time. We always talk truth about America because America matters. America, can we talk truth about America? Can you hear?